0: Regular listeners know that I've been living with my apartment off the electric grid for two weeks. I believe today, June 5th, marks the first day of my third week living not connected to the electric grid. And this is in Manhattan, not off in the woods somewhere. It's an incredible experience. Most of the benefits are about connecting more with nature, being humble to it, not dominating it. I'm waking up earlier, for example, to work and read by daylight so I don't have to drain the solar-powered battery I'm using. Direct sunlight is free. It costs nothing. And waking up early is pretty easy. Likewise, during a spell of three overcast days, I had to pay attention to my power use and take advantage of what sunlight I could to charge the battery. Now, speaking of reading by daylight, the great benefit prompting today's post is nearly finishing a biography, Lincoln, by David Herbert Donald, about Abraham Lincoln. I'm on page 507 of 600, so it's a big book, not counting the over 100 pages of footnotes, which would make it over 700 pages, at this point, it's a bit past the Gettysburg Address. He's just been nominated for a second candidacy for presidency. There's talk of amending the Constitution that's starting to appear. The war appears mostly won, though deaths mount. Confederate wins still happen, and no one knows how to plan for or to handle Reconstruction. I talk a lot about slavery relating to pollution. I've for years taken inspiration from British abolitionists around 1800 who looked across oceans to see people suffering for their culture's indulgences. Sugar, molasses, rum. For the first time in history, according to podcast guest and author of a book on abolition, *Barry the Chains*, Adam Hochschild, says that one group, for the first time in history, worked for another group's freedom. Every argument you've ever heard about giving up polluting, their peers, the abolitionists in England, their peers used to avoid giving up slavery. Things like what I do doesn't matter. Only governments and corporations can make a difference. If we don't do it, then others will. It's not that bad the empire depends on it, it will work out, all things like that. But they, the abolitionists, refused to accept the cruelty, injustice, and inhumanity. Through their work and others, without a civil war, England made illegal the slave trade and then slavery. I look across oceans today and see people suffering and dying, displaced from their land, poisoned and killed on it, because we fund companies and governments, mercenaries, to do it by buying their packaging, fossil fuels, and things that pollute. People commonly describe America as a racist nation, especially white Americans, especially white Americans who don't act against racism. A Constitution permitting slavery and a three-fifths clause certainly back up that view. What do we make, though, of all the people born into that system who did nothing to create it and worked against it? Besides Lincoln, consider William Lloyd Garrison, Thaddeus Stevens, Emerson, Thoreau, and everyone who opposed slavery from before the Constitution to today. What about the hundreds of thousands of men who fought for the Union in the Civil War, Many volunteers, maybe not all fighting specifically to end slavery, but many for just that reason. One could argue they should have done more. When people take down statues of Thomas Jefferson today who oppose slavery, they point out that he owned slaves. You can't argue he created the system he was born into. How much could he do to change that system within his lifetime? Can you blame him for not ending slavery all by himself? Say you still blame him for owning slaves. Would his freeing his slaves change the system? Alone, clearly not. One person's actions couldn't have changed the whole system, but you could argue he should have acted his conscience and done what he knew was right, whether it significantly changed the system or not. Everyone knows, everyone prefers being free to being enslaved. What could a free person benefiting from living in a system of slavery or not have done? How would they make a difference? Lincoln took a lifetime to reach a position where he could do things like issue the Emancipation Proclamation, which didn't end slavery, and along the way, he embraced many crazy notions that many of us today would call clearly racist, like shipping blacks back to Africa as the scheme and many compromises that would have allowed slavery to continue. Most of his life, he wanted to preserve the Union, and he clearly stated he would allow slavery if it preserved the Union before he would abolish slavery if it would break the Union. In other words, he chose America first over freedom until the Civil War clarified that the Union required freedom. I ask you, What could anyone then do? How can we blame people who looked at the long odds of their actions achieving any meaningful results and went on with their lives instead? I hope you're listening and saying, but they could have done more. They didn't need over four score and seven years from a Declaration of Independence saying all men are created equal to an amendment ending slavery. I'm not saying results were impossible, but what? What could they have done? I'm I'm not just asking for historical reasons. If you feel they could not have done more, can you not see this nation, ever since the Constitution, including huge numbers of people who are not racist or supporting slavery, but the opposite? Could you see this nation as fighting for freedom and against slavery as best they could? Meaning that this nation contains a huge contingent fighting inequality, racism, and systemic racism that it always has and likely always will. That's a very different picture of this nation. Does it make you feel uncomfortable? Do you believe they could have done more, ended slavery earlier? If they could have done more to end that unjust system, prove it by doing it today to end our unjust system based on pollution today. First, let me clarify what oil executives have long known. They are the same system. Slavery then and pollution today are the same system. You can also, if you choose, look across oceans and see people suffering for your lifestyle. You can also choose to say what English people drinking plantation-grown tea, sweetened with plantation-grown sugar and molasses, paid for with profits, with mills processing plantation-grown cotton, about your flying, ordering takeout delivered in plastic by a fossil fuel-driven vehicle, ordering from Amazon.com. I'll link in the description to my post showing the systems diagram that the two systems function identically. Actually, more than that, one evolved into the other. It's not one system and another system that are the same. They are the same system, one evolved into the other. And I can't describe it better than oil executives themselves. Andrew Hoffman, who's a professor at the University of Michigan Business School and at School for Natural Resources and Environment, wrote of his discovering the historical connection between slavery and fossil fuels. This is quoting him in a paper. He wrote, The first time these two concepts were linked for me was seven years ago, when a senior oil industry executive in London asked me a rhetorical question. If it wasn't for oil, where would we get our energy? His answer, to my astonishment, was slavery. That was quoting Andrew Hoffman, quoting an oil executive, who pointed out what the oil industry long felt Proud of that they helped stop slavery by introducing oil as a way of getting free energy, not realizing at that time there would be front page news that everyone would accept that the oil, the fossil fuel, the pollution is more harmful. Many people say, never compare anything to slavery. It's tempting, but nothing compares with slavery. I've heard that advice. The biggest difference between the system then and now is that our system today is nearly incomparably bigger and more cruel. As one measure, according to widely and credibly reported studies, pollution kills over nine million people per year. And I linked to that report in in the description. It took the Atlantic slave trade centuries to reach that number. And that is just one aspect of our system. And that's just one year. And we're increasing that annual number. And you're paying for it when you buy your airplane ticket, when you turn on the air conditioner and so forth. And there are many other ways our system is killing and causing suffering. Does that as happening across the ocean change anything? If you believe it was possible for Americans before, say, the Civil War, or civil rights, or now, to change anything then, prove it. Do it today on our incarnation of that system. If they should have done something, shouldn't you? If you consider America's history racist and criticize them for putting other things first, like balancing doing the right thing with paying their bills, getting on with their lives, and you believe their petty concerns were dwarfed in comparison to fighting the cruelty of slavery— Even if they couldn't see the cruelty themselves? Even if they weren't holding the whips? What do you think of yourself and your balancing? What should you do if they should have acted? If Thomas Jefferson should have freed his slaves, even if his individual actions wouldn't change the system, shouldn't you stop polluting? If it would have been hard for him, should he still have done it? Wouldn't freeing his slaves, even if difficult, and not changing the whole system, enable him to make a bigger difference? Those 9 million annual deaths today aren't benign or just a part of life. They're cruel. Each person wants to live. They want to live free. They don't want to suffer. Their families see them suffer and have to live with the loss. They are helpless to defend themselves from our jet exhaust, our packaging, our garbage, and the armies and mercenaries kicking them off or killing them for the resources where they live. You may believe, but we need to make progress to avoid sliding back into the Stone Age when 30 was old age and mothers died in childbirth. We should bring them up to where we are But for one thing, that myth is a lie. And for another, that's one of the excuses that they gave the abolitionists back in England. We don't need what we call progress. On the contrary, once you commit, you'll find that every step towards stewardship for all humans and humility toward nature makes the next step easier. Other cultures than ours have resisted nearly every time they've interfaced. Here's a long quote from Benjamin Franklin describing how, when given the choice, people went one way. They went toward living among the Indians and not living among our cultural ancestors, the colonists. So this is Ben Franklin. When an Indian child has been brought up among us, taught our language, and habituated to our customs, yet if he goes to see his relations and makes one Indian ramble with them, there's no persuading him ever to return. But when white persons of either sex have been taken prisoners, young by the Indians, and lived a while among them, though ransomed by their friends and treated with all imaginable tenderness to prevail with them to stay among the English yet in a short time they become disgusted with our manner of life and the care and pains that are necessary to support it and take the first good opportunity of escaping again into the woods from whence there's no reclaiming them. In other words, this is me again, people went toward the Indian culture and away from colonists and not the other way around. A contemporary wrote in 1782, so this is someone else, thousands of Europeans are Indians, and we have no examples of even one of those Aborigines having come from choice become European. There must be in their social bonds something singularly captivating and far superior to anything to be boasted among us. This happens all over. This is me again. Including today, in the few places left that are flying, our takeout, our air conditioning, and so on, haven't paid mercenaries and armies to plunder and destroy for our leisure. If our material abundance is so great, why does nearly every culture that interfaces with us resist it to where our cultural ancestors and we? kill and displace them for what they have. Maybe you're not white, or maybe you throw in not male or straight and claim that your ancestors were oppressed too. I'll grant you your genetic ancestors may have been oppressed, but if you fly, order takeout or amazon.com, or empty your garbage more than once a year, you have been assimilated. And the colonizers are your cultural ancestors too. You're paying for that destruction. You're paying for our version today of that colonization, displacing people from their land and their resources? I'm not judging. I'm not criticizing. It may sound this way. Does it sound that way? I'm pointing out what your dollars pay for when you choose to follow the culture you are born into, just like Jefferson was, and balance fighting it with whatever holds you to just buying an electric vehicle. If you say, I'm doing all that I can. I'm doing all that I can within reason, within balance. Josh, you're so extreme. What about someone giving away their slaves? Would Thomas Jefferson have been extreme had he freed his slaves? Or is there nothing wrong with him having balanced what was right about freeing slaves with whatever he balanced it with? You can change. It's not extreme. Which is harder? For Jefferson to have freed his slaves or for you to go camping for your next vacation instead of flying? Crazily, people who fly to their vacations while I bike to mine, they criticize me buying fresh vegetables as expensive and inaccessible. Talk about penny-wise and dollar-foolish. If I did spend more, which I don't, we're talking about a couple dollars, maybe $100 more per year, while they're spending thousands of dollars per vacation. Even if they were right, and by the way, I spend less on food than any of them, and I've posted my annual expenses so you can compare, then they can stop flying. Why aren't you doing it? If you believe this nation has a past based in racism and systemic racism, And people could have done more. What specifically could someone just like you could have done in 1850? What could they have done that would make them not racist? Why can't you do that today? And then answer for yourself, what can you do today? As you know, I say it's the same system. What can you do about that system today that is killing orders of magnitude more people for just as unnecessary, self-indulgent leisure that when other cultures, faced with the prospect of being like us, run away from, and when people like us sample theirs, like it more.